This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Father, we thank you that we arrive here safely. We pray, God, that we will be able to look into your words this morning amidst the storms in the world, amidst the storms in our hearts, amidst the storm in the passage. We pray, God, that your Spirit will help us to understand, engage in your word, and that we will be strengthened to live with greater trust in our Lord and our God. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm glad everyone made it here in spite of the thunderstorm that we might have had this morning. This morning I want to ask this question for us to think about. How will you and I stand in the face of storms? How will you and I stand in the face of storms? The, well, the most obvious answer would be this. You know what, Andrew? I'm really kind of seasick when there's a storm and I prefer to just sit in and just... Uh, hold on tight. But as we look at today's passage, although it is about a physical storm, it really has an underlying uh, storm that is more than just physical. It is yet another description of the storms that Christians, like Paul, can't avoid because they are followers of Jesus. This is just another storm in the life of a Christian. Dear friends, how will you and I respond in the face of life's stormy and mighty storms. This morning, Paul is taking with him Dr. Luke, the author of Acts, Aristarchus, a faithful Macedonian brother from Thessalonica, and all of us here. He's going to bring us on a sea voyage in the Mediterranean Sea, where we'll face one of the most and well-recorded storm of the Roman uh, history. We'll sail right into the hurricane northeaster around October of AD 59, just before winter. So it'll be a good idea if you bring along your kind of ginger pill, your seasick pills, if you tend to kind of get giddy, um, because we are going to head out into the Mediterranean Sea uh, with Paul. Now, but before we board the ship, it's good. It's a good idea to remember where we have left off in the book of Acts. After six, after five weeks of uh, reformation um, of study of the doctrines, um, we have come to come back to Acts. And in fact, just six or five, six or seven weeks before that, what we have was Paul um, in the midst of storms in the land. He was in Jerusalem when riots happened that almost tore him apart lest a commander of the centurions and the soldiers put him up and sent him to Caesarea. And at Caesarea, he was met by the governor, Felix. Felix interrogated Paul. He found him to be innocent, but for favor for the Jews. And because Paul didn't bribe him, he was stuck there for two years until the governor, Felix, moved on and taken over by the governor, Festus. And once again, Festus looked at Paul and he didn't think there was anything wrong. But then the Jews said, Festus, bring him back to Jerusalem that we may put him on trial. But the intention was clear. They wanted to get rid of Paul. And Paul says, no, I'm not going. I appeal to the emperor. I appeal to Caesar. So right after Paul's appeal for Caesar, in came 
King Agrippa II, who kind of happened to arrive at Caesarea, and he wanted to listen to Paul's case. And Paul presented his case before King Agrippa and the governor Festus, and so strong was Paul's words and appeal that the king himself, in a short while, was amazed with Paul. And so we came to the responsive reading that you have just read together uh, with Yongkit. So let me look at where we uh, started off in our responsive reading in Acts 26, verse 28. Then a said to Paul, Do you think in such a short time that you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, Short time or long? I pray that God, to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may be become what I am, well, except for this change. The king rose with him, the governor and Bernice, and those sitting with them. After they left the room, they began saying to one another, This man is not doing anything that deserves death or even imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. So indeed, Paul would have to head to Rome in today's passage and we end off in next week's passage. But as we follow Paul onto the ship, we realize that Paul, he's not a usual criminal that is going to put there because Paul, by this time, he has established himself in integrity and reputation, so much so that at Sidon, Julius the, the centurion was happy for Paul to disembark on the ship and just head to his friends to be taken care of. Well, no doubt the rest of the prisoners would probably be stuck under the deck of the ship. Paul was traveling freely in Sidon. So, so far so good, but the tide is about to change drastically as they will soon be assaulted by the mighty storms and the hurricane Northeaster. So hold up your sea map if you have it in the bulletin. It'll be great for you to follow. Hold up your Bible, put on your gum boots, and we are heading right into the storm of verse 4. So look at your map and your Bible, and let me read for us from verse 4. From there we put out the sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the wind were against us. The ominous journey began because the wind has started to go against them. When we have sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. Can you find Myra in the map? There, the centurion Julius found an Alexandrian, Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snyder's. Now trouble is brewing for Julius and the gang for Luke recorded. He says, When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the lee of Crete, opposite of Somoni. Instead of heading to the west, they are heading down south. We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lasia. So if you have been following the map, there you'll see that they have trouble heading towards where they really want to go. Now, no doubt this account is a carefully recorded historical account by Dr. Liu, uh, which he clearly remembers when he was uh, being alive to pass this around. 
that this is more than just a historical account. This is an extension of what we have been looking at throughout the whole of Acts. This is a journey that Paul, a follower of Jesus, would have to face and have to take. This is not a journey that he wants to take, but this is a journey that he has to take as a consequence of him holding on to the belief and conviction that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, if you have followed with me so far, you have noticed that Paul, he could have avoided this journey if he was less indignant about salvation by grace alone. If he had just been salvation by grace, plus a bit of circumcision, he would have avoided this journey. Paul could have avoided this journey if he had given bribes to uh, Felix, who was waiting for that to happen for two years. But Paul did not. Paul could have avoided this journey if he had escaped at Sidon when Julius gave him free reign to find his friends. Paul could have avoided this journey if he would live just a little bit more compromised as a Christian. But because he did not, this journey becomes unavoidable as did all his other journeys. So, dear friends, there are journeys. There are journeys in our Christian life that we may not want to go, but we end up being pulled in if we want to stay faithful to the gospel, if you want to hold on to Christ. There are journeys, perhaps you have taken them before, that you do not want to go, but you landed out in. We read of accounts of Christians who are being imprisoned, who are denied privileges, who have made massive losses of properties or families, or even some children because of their faith. Now, some of us have experienced storms in our life, being the only Christian in our family, in our marriage, in our workplace. Some of us face storms when we reach crossroads, where we need to hold on faithfully to a difficult Christian marriage, or to give up relationships that are unequally yoked that we wish we don't have to. Some of us face and experience storms, where in the family we see rituals that we no longer practice, and we struggle every year when it comes. There are struggles that we do not want to enter, or storms that we do not want to face, but we end up being in there because we are Christians. I've met this man when I was in Perth. He was studying in a university. He was at a point where he could no longer hold on to his faith and he was struggling and trying to reconcile whether he really wanted to accept what the Bible says about Jesus. At that point, even before he became a Christian, his wife says, that is enough, I'm heading out with the kids. He was pulled into a storm that he didn't want to, but he was struggling in because he was struggling with truth. There are storms. There are storms that we face in life that we battle with, that we do not want to be in, but we are in because we are Christians. Some of this could be battles that we have to pick up to fight in our inmost being with sin. Some of these storms are those that we face at workplace, and some of these storms are challenges 
when we question the goodness of God, when everything around us does not look good. Jesus had already warned his disciples about this journey. He, in fact, he said this to the apostle Peter. He said this to Peter in John 21, 18 to 19. Jesus said this to Peter, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to Peter, follow me. There is real cost to respond when Jesus calls out, follow me. Now as we come back to Paul's journey in verses 9-12, to don't worry too much because they have not covered much ground at all while we are thinking about application. Look at verse 9. Much time had been lost and the sailing had become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement, meaning that winter of AD 57 is coming. While Apostle Paul was not a trained fisherman or a sailor, he did clock massive frequent sailing points. In 2 Corinthians 11, 12, 25, 2 Corinthians 11, 25, Paul, before this time, had already said, I had faced three shipwrecks. One of them, I was in the open sea for a day and a night. I was kind of free food for sharks that are hungry if they see me. Paul knew the danger of shipwreck when he sees it coming. Now, it's hard to know how many of the people on board of Paul's ship that have actually faced shipwreck like Paul. And Julius most likely would have would not have known that Paul had this track record of shipwreck, for they would have probably started for one year of journey walking from Jerusalem to Rome rather than to head out into the Mediterranean Sea. But nevertheless, Paul, this uh, Julius this time round, he did not listen to Paul, but he took heed of the sailors and the owner of the ship. Paul says, stay in fair havens. They said, let's just head out 40 miles upwards to the more comfortable harbour of Crete. And they felt that it was confirmed because there came this kind of gentle breeze, the south breeze uh, blowing at them. And so they headed out to shore from fair havens. But it didn't take very long because as they travelled out by the gentle south wind, they did not realise that camouflage between this gentle wind was the massive hurricane northeaster. Luke recorded the horror for the next three days. If you look at the passage, the cargoes were being thrown overboard, anchors were thrown in the sea so that they could be dragged instead of being crashed. They threw expensive equipments in the sea with their own hands and so dreadful was the mighty storm, they lost total control, total direction and absolute hope. Look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. When neither the sun nor the stars appear for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Julius, the pilot, the ship owner, they gambled on the Mediterranean table. They gambled on the gentle south wind, and they lost. They lost everything, not just their their material goods and the possessions they have, they are right smack at a point where they will not just lose their shirts, they will lose their very life. Now, storm is an interesting thing because storm has a way of stripping us 
of everything that we have to reveal what is really inside of us. Many of us who have worked with people and in uh, difficult, challenging projects that have gone horribly wrong or just difficult circumstances, we know that it's not the calm breeze that reveals who we are. It's those horrendous moments when things just go south that reveals what we really are inside of us. So in this short verse, Luke describes the darkness in the hearts of all on board the ship, the darkness of the sky of the sun, the darkness of their hearts. These darkness are like the tombs waiting to swallow up the people alive. The darkness, the horrendous northeaster hurricane is there and the time has come that it will swallow up everyone on board the ship. There's no more hope. All will die. Except they happen to have someone on board the ship a man who is the messenger of one who walks out of the darkest storm in life. On board the ship was Paul, the messenger and the witness of Jesus who walked out from the tomb and the grave. And Paul had not finished his work, so he would not, have, would not be able to die at this point. Back in Acts 23, let me just read what was said to Paul in Acts 23 verse 11. The Lord Jesus, he stood near Paul when he was almost being torn apart by the riot in Jerusalem. The Lord said to Paul, Take courage, Paul, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. That's where your next pit stop is, and it's not under the seabed. So there we have the anchor of the mighty God appears as we look back at Acts 27-21, let me read to you. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and, after saying, I told you so, he continued verse 22, But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, man, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. At just the right moment when the strongest of the land, the centurion, the strongest in the sea, the sailors, realize they are mere helpless mortals, the angel of God appear and announce that there is a God mightier than the mightiest storm that they have encountered. And in fact, unless the Lord allows, not one on the ship would be able to sink underground. So what you have here, before verse 11, Julius the centurion was in charge. But as you look at the passage from verse 21 onwards, Paul stood up and take charge by the might of God. Paul stood as one who belongs to God and who serves God and who loves God. Now we have the Lord Jesus who stood out in the midst of storm in the gospel. It's recorded in all three gospels in, in Matthew 8, Mark 4, and in Luke 8, that Jesus, when he stood up, he brought the people on board safely to their destination. And here we have, as Paul stood up, he too will bring all 
on board the ground. So while the hurricane stripped everyone of what they have depended on, the way they have depended on themselves, their lives and their security, their skills, when all has been stripped off, the opposite has happened for Paul because the hurricane came and just blew and stripped him off that prison or criminal look to reveal a servant under God's hand, a servant of God who has God's backing behind him all along. Now some of us may ask, you know, Paul, is he kind of a superman? Is, was Paul uh, afraid in a storm? He probably was. He probably was afraid. Otherwise the angel would not have said in verse 24, look at it. The angel said to Paul, don't be afraid. We may ask, was Paul thinking that he might really die? Well, perhaps. Perhaps he thought that he might. Otherwise the angel would not have needed to remind him that he must arrive in Rome. And, and did Paul, did Paul pray hard? Perhaps not just for himself, but for those around him on the boat. Most likely he did, because the angel of God said to Paul, not only will you arrive in Rome, all who are with you, God graciously give them to you, that they will be saved. So while all the others are kind of worrying about themselves, Paul was praying desperately, not just for him, but for those who would have been lost. So dear friends, so kind of pause. Let's ask the question again. Are you afraid of life's storm? Are you afraid of life's storm? To say the least, I really don't like storm in my little teacup. I prefer it to be calm, nor do I want to search for storm. But the truth is, storms will come for us if you refuse to budge in your faith. They will come. But yet we are reminded in Paul's account that so is the Lord. Because the Lord is never absent from His people even in the toughest storm, even the darkest and mightiest night. The promises of God never sinks to the seabed, even when the storm arrives. Now it's important to note here as we have kind of journeyed together that I'm not and we are not trying to pull out a prescription for ourselves using Paul's uh, description of Paul's journey. But rather, we should be recognizing by now that what Luke wants us to know is that God is always faithful to his own words, that God's words will be fulfilled. For Paul, God's plan for him is to arrive at Rome, so neither he nor the people on the ship will sink. And for us, the Lord's promise to be with us will stay true. In fact, he will stay with us till the end of the age, meaning that as we go on living our lives, as we kind of face storms and challenges, serving Him and witnessing for Him that we are never alone as well because God word, God's Word will come to pass. And so Paul declared, verse 25, look at verse 25 with me. Paul said, So keep up your courage, men, for I faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. No, brothers and sisters, let us continue to keep reminding and encouraging each other of what the Lord has said. Now, some of us are going through mighty storms that require us to trust God. Things may not always look well 
and we are surrounded by things that say it's not going to happen, it's going to crash. But the God of Paul will say that it will not if I do not say that it will. God has kept it in the storm of Noah, has kept it in the storm of Jonah. Well, he had to kind of swim a little bit. God has kept faithful to John Newton in his desperate plea in the ship, the man who says amazing grace. And God has been with Horato Spiroff, Spifort, the man who sang, It is well with my soul, as the ship carrying his loved one sank and he himself was stuck in the Chicago fire. Those who are of the Lord's, their soul and the spirit will not sink. Dear brothers and sisters, there are much hope, there are much encouragement, there are much strengthening we can offer to others and to offer to each other when we can remind ourselves of who our Lord is in the times of grief, in times of pain, in times of losses, in times of disappointment, in times of discouragement, in times where our loved ones or perhaps ourselves are being blown and ended up in hospitals, in times where we have to cross that last storm before we arrive to our eternal home. We can extend our prayers and our encouragement in the midst of storms because our Lord has promised. Our Lord said this in John 8, 12. Let me read Jesus' words for us. Jesus said this to those who are His. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And again, we know this well in Matthew 28, 20. Jesus says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So dear friends, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For the Lord who has given us the promise will make sure that it will bring, it will come to pass. You know what? We may finish life early, unwantedly, but we will never finish life prematurely. Let me say that again. No matter what storms come, there'll be times where Christians, we may finish our journey early, but we will never finish our life prematurely because the Lord decides and the Lord lends us to where He wants us to be at. No wonder Paul wrote famously his famous quote in Philippians, most likely written when he arrived in Rome. Most likely, I think. Philippians, he said, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Because Paul have understood, whatever the circumstances, it is always a gain when we are sailing with God and in Christ. So perhaps it's no accident as Christians that we are called to shine in storms when we are stripped off of our capacity to navigate, our abilities to hold the fort, when all is stripped bare, that we, re- we reveal that it is God, our Lord, that we hold on to. Or actually, He was holding on to us. I think some work, sometimes work can be really tough for some of us, family, but at the end of the day, it is the Lord who will hold us fast. Now, let's go back to verse 27 to 44, because now Luke unpacks the rest of the story of Paul as he stands as a beacon of light for the people fluctuating in confidence 
Julius' heart being drawn to the message of Paul and of their rescue, all 276 of them. Now as we take the ride with Luke in the remaining voyage, Paul stood up, he says, it is going to be alright. And then they suffer another many days. For 14 days, they continue to be in the, in the winds. Like if they've heard Paul wrongly, they need to hear again. Paul says, it is going to be alright. Not that it is going to be easy. God will land you safely, but Paul never says God will land you comfortably. And so we read in verse 41, The ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. Now in that moment of panic, the soldiers were planned on killing the prisoners in case they escaped because... For them to escape is considered capital punishment. They might as well die along with them. They wanted to kill all the prisoners, but Julius, for the sake of Paul, and perhaps his heart had been stirred, says, we're not going to do that. Everyone, those who can swim, swim. Those who can grab something, grab something. We are heading out. And so it happened in verse 43. He ordered those who could swim to swim overboard first to get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. And listen to this. In this way, everyone reached land safely. So it doesn't matter whether they were proficient swimmer or proficient sinkers. All 276 arrived on shore alive. No, there are times that the storms that we face are not easy. But sometimes we have to carry on. It could be 14 days, 14 weeks, 14 months, 14 years that we struggle with our storms. But we will reach safely because we can trust the words of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There will be those who struggle in the storm of sin, struggle with, with, in the storm of certain um Fallen, fallenness of our world, that it may not be healed or cured in this lifetime. That could be a long journey, but the Lord says, you'll end, and you will land in the promised land. Well, we could have almost end here, but there's just one short scene here that wants to review and extend God's grace just a little bit more, so that we know that it's not an accident it's not just the 276 are saved from sea, but they will be saved from winter, from hunger, from cold in Malta. So look at chapter 28, verse 1 as I read it for us. Once safely on shore, we found out that the land was called, the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness, built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. They could just show a little bit of pity, but they showed unusual kindness. And for three months until they leave. And if the people have quickly forgotten that it was God, it was Paul's God that have saved them. Now as they land on Malta, the Maltese are going to remind them that Paul is innocent and that God is merciful. Look at verse 3. Now Paul is, he's not idling. He gathered a pile of bush wood and as he put it on fire, a viper, Driven out by the heat, he fastened himself on his hands, and the eyes of the Maltese opened up and says, This guy must be a murderer. He kind of get away with the sea and the storm. God's justice 
that's going to put him to where he belongs. He should die. And they stood there and they held their breath because they're going to, he's going to die really fast. They held their breath. They look at Paul. After a while, some had to take a breather because he hasn't died. And then they saw Paul's clothes drying. He probably went to eat. Perhaps he's even snoozing now and said, he's not dead. And they realized it was not the viper who was deciding Paul's life. It was Paul who has decided the viper's life. In fact, Paul might well have been a god. And their conclusion was what it has always been, that Paul was innocent. And where he was is because of his God. Now it's interesting, this is an interesting account because Dr. Luke, in this point, he didn't mention whether people come to know Jesus, whether Paul preached the gospel. They just simply state what happens, perhaps to show intentionally that Paul stood up, tall and above both the Jews and the Gentiles. Now I sometimes wonder what it was like to be Dr. Luke or uh, Aristarchus, who might have taught twice or thrice before they actually took this boat, because they knew Paul, they knew his ship, right? and we're going to take this boat with Paul, and they did. So on one hand, the eyewitness, the mighty hand of God, on the other hand, they kind of have to bear yet another storm with Paul. Luke has enjoyed enough storm with Paul as he writes his uh, account in, in Acts. How about Aristarchus? Actually, this name is not the first time. He has appeared many times in scriptures, and every time is because Paul was in trouble. In Acts 19.29, Aristarchus here was actually mentioned when there was a riot in Ephesus. In Acts 24, Aristarchus was mentioning when Paul was stuck in prison in uh, Caesarea. And in fact, Paul, when he started writing in Colossians 4.10 or Philemon 1.24, you know what Paul says? And my brother Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner and laborer. No, Aristarchus, you want to hang out with Paul? This is what you get, but that is what they chose. Perhaps it's, there's much for us to kind of wonder here and to think about our own lives. Perhaps we have children, loved ones, who struggles as they go through their faith. And we stay there, we hang in with them, we pray with them, we, we cry with them, we, we go through what they are going through. But God have us there because that is good for us and it's good for them. Paul, he's not a superman. He wouldn't have survived easily if God had not placed people like Aristarchus, Luke and some others as he journeyed on his Christian life. Perhaps God has put us where we are, faking storms. Perhaps not ours, but that of others so that they carry on. So the question for us as we kind of think about today's passage is, do we want to live our lives disregarding God and just navigate life the way we have it? Or will we be like Paul, that we are willing to be stripped bare of our own capacity and navigate with God in charge? Because God's word will pass for Dr. Luke, and he did. He arrived in Rome next week, well, kind of, in the passage at least. And two, God's word will come to pass and we will arrive where he asks us to be. So dear friends, as we come to a close, let's go back to our question just one last time. How will you and I 
respond to the storms we have in our lives. Storms as a consequence of our fallen world. Storms as a consequence because you say that you are a Christian. Perhaps some of us are in the midst of storms right now. Prolonged storms. How will we respond? This is Paul's answer and perhaps that will be yours and mine as well. Acts 27-25 Keep up your courage for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told us. And it will happen for us. Salvation will come. Forgiveness will be firmed. Our inheritance in heaven given. All the promises we have that God's given will be a yes in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Father, when we face mighty storms in our lives that the world cannot offer rescue, when we feel alone, help us to keep up our courage and our faith in you, knowing that all things will happen for your glory and we are secure in the anchor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray especially for any of us here who are facing great storms in our lives right now. Help us to trust you. Just as you said in Hebrews 13.5, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we can confidently respond to you, Father, in the same way. That you, Lord, is my helper. And we will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to us? Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.